We are into our 10th session of our sermon series called Trailblazer. Church, can you say Trailblazer? And um, uh, we're going to start with a video, like I'm on cue and I planned. Uh, So why don't we turn our attention to the screen? church. So as you saw, it's um, our Palm Sunday today, and uh, we've been talking about it along the way. And we're mostly going to be looking at uh, the, uh, this account of Palm Sunday through the lens of, of Luke's eyes, through uh, Luke's account. Uh, but I will take a, a, a look at all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as, um, as all of the Gospels actually share on this account, on, on this, this journey to Jerusalem as King Jesus. And, and uh, so I think if we look at all the accounts, we'll, we'll get a full picture, maybe a better picture of, of, uh, of this Palm Sunday. And uh, so that's what we're going to start with. We're going to start with what about, what's, uh, what's Palm Sunday about? And uh, uh, it's this moment of history, like I said, of Jesus riding into Jerusalem as king. And he's acknowledged as king for the very first time. And this happens on the same day as, 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 as the, uh, that the lamb for Passover was being shared to the homes, in, uh, to all the Israelite homes. And, and it, it, it fulfills actually a uh, prophecy from the Old Testament of, of Jesus coming to, to be the sacrificial lamb in the, in the Israelite homes. And, and, and that's a foretelling of what's going to happen. Now, um, in, in, in the opening part of the scripture, it talks about many being gathered. And, 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 and that they called King Jesus, King of Israel, for the very first time. And, and I had a question, why would, would, just because Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, why were so many gathered? Why would they finally recognize him 
as king and Lord and Savior of Israel. Well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at a little bit of the history here. Six days before this very Palm Sunday in, in the history, okay? It was six days before Jesus rode into Jerusalem. There was this incredible miracle that Jesus performed. It was about a guy that many of you have known and, and have heard about before. His name was Lazarus. Church, can you say Lazarus? Lazarus, the story of Lazarus, he was sick and he died. And, and at this point in the, in the scripture, he has been dead for four full days in the tomb. There was a, he had, a, he had a, a, a tomb where a stone was in front of that tomb and he was dead in that tomb for four days. And I just want to read this part of scripture. It's, uh, it's from the, the sister of the dead man, Lazarus, Lazarus named Martha. And uh, there's Martha and Mary, but we're going to look at uh, Martha's uh, portion of scripture here where, where you, can, you can really see and, and start to picture um, Martha's emotions and, and the thought process of what she's going through. Let's look at John chapter 11, if you have your Bibles this morning, um, or you can look at the screen. Uh, starting in verse 20, it says this. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Now, many of us who've been around church for a while have, have been around Easter and heard of Easter and know what Easter Sunday is about. It's Jesus will, will rise from the dead, conquering death on that resurrection Sunday. Amen? And, and there's this key moment in that story of, of this giant stone in front of Jesus' tomb being rolled away. And it's uh, one of the great uh, uh, pictures of, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the resurrection story. And I think that's actually probably the second stone that we talk about being rolled away. This first one is in front of the tomb of Lazarus. And, and, and Lazarus has been there for four days, dead in that tomb. And, and Jesus said to that, uh, Jesus said, take that stone away from that tomb. Roll that stone away. And what would you expect from a dead man's tomb? What would I expect? What would, what would Martha expect from a dead man's tomb? Martha said what we probably all would say. Uh, uh, there's probably going to be a, a, a grotesque odor coming from that tomb. We, we should be careful as we open up that, that tomb. Are you sure you want to do that? The man's been dead for four days. And Jesus reminded Martha, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So that, that stone was then rolled away, and Jesus said this in, in John 11, verse 41. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And then Jesus said this, Lazarus, come out. Church, can you say Lazarus? Lazarus. Can you say come out? out. And that dead man came out. And he was dressed up like a mummy, you know, like he was wrapped all in his, his, his linens, that his dead cloth linens that he was wrapped in. And Jesus said, take off those grave clothes. 
And many of the Jewish people that were there, they were witnessing it and saw this and then started to share it all around to all the people they knew. Some brought it to the high priests and started sharing it to the high priests. And the high priests at the time were kind of like their government, and their government wasn't too happy about this because this was going to challenge their way of life, challenge their power. So what they wanted to do was kill Jesus. And what I, I needed to share this story as a lead-up to Palm Sunday because this is where the crowds, this is why the crowds gathered. They heard that Jesus, the one who's doing the miraculous, is coming to save Israel as king. They wanted to see the king, this, this miraculous king who, who told, the stone, um, to, told them to move the stone away and commanded the dead man to get up. So we have a little bit better understanding now why this, this, this was a major event. There was lots of excitement. People had gathered uh, on this very Palm Sunday. So the Palm Sunday story, okay? Uh, like I said, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all recount this, their perspective of, of Jesus coming to Jerusalem as king. And uh, so what we see in Scripture is I'm, I'm going to basically share a, a compilation of all four of their perspectives uh, as we walk through it. So what we see in Scripture is Jesus is approaching Jerusalem, and as he approached the, the place of Bethphage and Bethany uh, at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he basically, this is what he's, he, he's on his way there, and he's like, okay, I'm going to send two of you disciples. You're going to go up. You're going to find this colt. It's a, a colt is a young donkey, a, a donkey that's four years. It's a young male donkey that's four years or younger. Uh, you're going to find a colt tied up there that's never been ridden before, and you're going to bring it to me. And, and, and that's what Jesus does. He rides in on this colt, this young donkey, to Jerusalem. He's going down the road uh, through the Mount of Olives, and, and, and many people then they started putting down their cloaks in front of him, and, and some people laid down palm branches as, as he traveled across it. And the crowds of the disciples, the, the crowd of disciples began to praise joyfully. They were praising God in loud voices. Uh, they, they were, uh, they're excited and shouting about all the miracles they had seen. And they were shouting things like, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna! To the son of David, Hosanna in the highest heaven. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. These are the things they were shouting and praising God. And the way the account ends in Matthew, Matthew 21, uh, verse 10 and 11 says this. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and they asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from the Nazareth in, Gal Nazareth in Galilee. Now, the way it ends in, in the book of Mark, uh, chapter 11, verse 11, it says this, Jesus entered Jerusalem and, and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. I love the way Mark puts that, the 12. You know, as, as a group of 12 guys is, is like, uh, I was, I was going to say like it'd be a cool like kind of gang thing, but I don't want to say gang because that's not the right kind of affiliation I want to have. It's a good, cool group, right, the 12. I think there's lots of... Okay, I'll just stop. Um, the, the way the account ends in Luke now, okay, it's a little bit unique. And uh, uh, like we've been going through this whole series through Luke, let's take a little bit of a deeper look. Uh, Luke chapter 19, uh, starting in verse 39, it says this, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. They said this because uh, uh, people were calling him king of Israel, right? People were calling him savior. So they wanted to make sure, make the distinction of that he's teacher and that you should be rebuking your disciples because you're just the teacher. And then verse 40 goes on and says, I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. 
and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you, encircle you, and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. So it's interesting. Jesus gives this very stern, almost a rebuke warning to the Pharisees. And these Pharisees, they were wicked. They were the worst kind of people. They were abusing religion. They were taking advantage of, of the marginalized. They were taking advantage of, of the finances of the widows. They, they used prayer as a pretense for carrying on worldly and wicked plans. They were the worst. Now, this is where Jesus basically says, I've had enough. Your time is up here. Um, and, and you can kind of see the mixture of the emotions of Jesus. He's going from this stern rebuke almost and, and to this, this brokenness that we see, this sadness that he sees. In verse 41, he sh it shares how he actually wept over the city. Okay, so we'll pause there for a second. We've gone through a little bit about Palm Sunday. We've gone now through the story of Palm Sunday. Let's look at the significance of Palm Sunday, okay? And uh, throughout every account, through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John, they talk about this donkey, this young colt, all right, and uh, this young male donkey. When you expect a conquering king to come to save your city, you know, they're not going to, you wouldn't expect them to pull up in a, a 2004 beat-up Honda Civic, okay? He's supposed to be rolling in with a Bentley or like a Tesla, Rolls Royce, something like that. That's what they expected of Jesus at first, at least pull up into Jerusalem. I think Ferrari's the one that actually has the horse, as the symbol. Um, so, like, at least pull up in the original Ferrari, all right? The, the very first one. But Jesus stopping in on this young male donkey, on this colt, he came to Jerusalem in humility, and he came with peace. And he's riding on that colt. It actually fulfills an Old Testament prophecy we saw in the, the video that started out our, our service in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, Daughter Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. For the readers of the scripture, that's all of us, um, it's, it's, it's such an emphasized point throughout all the gospels that, that Jesus rode in in such a humble way and, and with a sign of, of peace. So another thing that stands out as we look at this Palm Sunday story uh, across the Gospels, we see the crowds shouting praises. We see the we hear the we we look at and we see the word Hosanna. Hosanna means save, rescue, savior, or please save us. And uh, uh, and and we also see the crowd recognizing Jesus as King and Jesus as Savior, and they're praising Him to come and save them. Another thing that we see that's significant is the laying down of coats and palm branches. And I think that's quite simple. They're basically uh, establishing that Jesus is king. And it would be a, a regular tradition. That's what they would do as kings or, or conquering rulers would come through. They would lay down uh, uh, palm branches or their coats. And it would be like the modern day red, modern day would be like the red carpet for celebrities. That's what they were doing. So with all that in mind, church, are you, are you guys ready for this? I got one person. Are you guys ready for this? Okay, verse 41, it said, it talks about Jesus wept for the city. Now, why, why would he weep for them? He already knew 
how far off, how far gone, how miscalculated, how wrong, how selfish the people, their focus was. What these people wanted, yeah, I said these people, they came and they gathered because they, they recognized the importance of the event, but they didn't understand the purpose. The crowd came and they, they remembered Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, but it was not to them he came. What they were hoping for Jesus to do is to be this conquering ruler who's going to come and overthrow the Roman government in Jerusalem. That's why they were praising Hosanna, Hosanna, King of Israel, come here, come save us. We're saved now. Let's, let, us, let, let, let us lay down the red carpet for you, King of Israel, as you come and conquer. Bye-bye, Roman Empire. It's time for us to have time in the sun again. So instead of Jesus coming as his king to free them from Rome, he came as the king of kings, the savior to free them from sin, from eternal damnation. He came to Jerusalem on a donkey in humility. It symbolized peace. And the very same people who, who welcomed him and, and praised him, who laid down their coats and their palm branches to this humble king riding on a colt, that Palm Sunday, a few days down the road, they're going to be the same ones that reject him, the same ones to cheer him on to be crucified. You know, there's so much significance in this Palm Sunday as we celebrate it. It's actually the beginning of Jesus' final suffering for humanity, for us. Palm Sunday is also the beginning of Holy Week, as I mentioned earlier. Um, the, so the, the beginning of Holy Week, Palm Sunday, reminds us that the reign of Christ is far greater that, than any mind of man could ever conceive or plan. You know, man looked for someone to fight their battles in the present day world, but God had this ultimate plan, this ultimate plan of sending his son to fight the battle over death. This is the greatness of why we celebrate this week, because of Christ's ultimate sacrifice. We can be set free of death. Okay, so we've learned about Palm Sunday. We heard the story of Palm Sunday, the significance of Palm Sunday. Now we're looking at what this, what, what's this Holy Week? Some of you maybe, maybe have heard what Holy Week is. Some of you uh, maybe, maybe practice Holy Week and, 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 and uh, remember Holy Week. Well, Holy Week starts on Palm Sunday. Like I said, it ends on Easter Sunday. It's eight days long. And uh, there's actually every, this is actually just the walkthrough of scripture. Uh, and, and during this week, it's, uh, uh, there's so many biblical prophecies that, that are fulfilled. And I've already given you guys the spoiler alert of, of what happens on the Resurrection Sunday. As many of you know, Resurrection Sunday is, is, the, is the day Jesus conquers death, conquers the grave, and uh, uh, gives, gives, life, uh, gives us a, a chance at new life with him, pays the, the debt that we have. So Holy Week, eight days. Um, let's just quickly walk through this, the scriptural timeline of it all. I've already talked about day one, which is Palm Sunday. I, I really think this could make a, a very intriguing like Netflix series. You could make it a easily like a, a eight to like 12 uh, uh, episode series. You could do it as the olden times, or you can even make a modern day version of it. I think it would work really well. I'll just put that multi-million dollar idea out for someone else to, to pursue it. And I'll, I'll just give that to you guys. Um, there you go. Uh, so day two, we got day one, Palm Sunday. Day two is the Monday before Easter. And on the way back into the city from Bethany, where Jesus uh, and the 12 spent the night, Jesus became hungry. And, and there's this uh, 
this uh, part of scripture where it says he sees this fig tree. And uh, this fig tree is full of leaves, full of life, but it wasn't bearing any fruit. So what Jesus did, he cursed that fig tree. And uh, so just hold on to that thought because we come back to that on day two, on day three. Uh, from there, Jesus went to the temple on Monday. He confronted those that were making a profit of the people coming to worship there. And I, I just, I actually love this. We, see, we get to see Jesus' righteous anger come out on these chief priests. And, and these guys who are making profit in the church, they're making a mockery of, this, of, 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 of what God's house should be like. And you can just imagine Jesus' blood boiling. He's probably thinking in his head, maybe he's even asking God, Lord, I know you said we're not supposed to, you're not going to flood the whole earth again, but maybe you can just send a little small one here, take out some of these guys, or maybe you can send a couple of uh, uh, plagues, maybe send some locusts to their place or put some boils on their back, um, whatever it was. And you can just imagine Jesus's righteous anger, just his blood boiling. Maybe send a, I know a Samson 2.0, come on down and, and, and lay a little bit of a beat down on these guys. And what Jesus declares, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And Jesus starts flipping tables and kicking them out and, 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 and restores the place to what it's going to be. And, and then the people were coming, the blind and the lame, they came and Jesus healed them on the spot. And, and, the, and the priests were, were seeing what was happening in this account. They were seeing the children praising and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they're praising Jesus as Savior. And the priests, the chief priests, what they did was they became indignant. They became bitter. So that was day two. Episode three, I mean day three, the Tuesday before Easter. Okay, so remember that fig tree? There's this, uh, the, this portion of scripture where Peter notices this fig tree, this fig tree that was full of, of, of leaves and looked healthy but bared, bore no fruit. Jesus cursed it, and the next day it was totally withered, totally gone. And, and Jesus basically used this as a lesson to have faith and recognize the power of forgiveness from that tree. And on that Holy Tuesday, um, this whole Tuesday was about Jesus avoiding traps from, uh, from the enemy. And the, the, the priests are, they set out four different traps for Jesus to fall into, trying to mess up his theology, his words, trying to get him to uh, show that he's not really the Messiah, they're not the Savior. And the first thing they do, they question his authority, to which he answered them with a question and then taught them three parables, the parable of the two sons, the parable of the tenants, the parable of the wedding banquet. The second trap challenged Jesus' allegiance the third trap attempted to ridicule Jesus' belief in resurrection. And the fourth, Jesus answered by claiming God's greatest commandment to be love, to be love. And this is like a really beautiful picture of who Jesus is. Like his, he was totally, fully in control as he responds with grace and truth to all the traps that were coming. All the, all, they're, they're trying to get him from all kinds of angles. But he, he stayed calm, cool, collective. He knew the scripture. He knew his heart, and he knew the right thing to do. And he always knows what was coming. Then we go to day four, the Wednesday before Easter. Uh, the Gospel of Luke shares that every day he was teaching in the temple, but Holy Wednesday is referred to as a day of rest of Jesus. While in Bethany, a, a woman anointed Jesus' feet with perfume. It's also widely known throughout the church as, as Spy Wednesday. While Jesus rests in Bethany at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, 
the, the, the plot of the high priest and the authorities uh, to kill Jesus, that was all happening all behind the scenes, in the darkness, in the, in the, in, 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 in the shadows. They were trying to plot to kill Jesus. And finding the opportunity in the greed of Judas, Judas went to the chief priests and the authorities, and from that moment he sought an opportunity to betray him. And he soon would betray Jesus. Now, none of the 12, none of the 12 will be left at the foot of the cross at Jesus when Jesus dies, but John. And Judas betrays the very man who he followed for years. But because of Spy Wednesday, we see yet another Old Testament prophecy fulfilled. Judas's role fulfills words declared that were hundred of years written before. Now, day five, the Thursday before Easter, on a Holy Thursday or, or Maundy Thursday. Maundy Thursday. I'll explain what that means in a little bit. Uh, in the upper room, Jesus and his disciples, they shared the Last Supper. And on this day, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. He broke bread with them for the very last time. And, and, and that's still celebrated today. That's what we call communion. We break the, the bread and, and, and have the cup of juice. And, and we celebrate that as the body and blood of Christ. We're going to do that next Sunday. And during the meal, Jesus predicted his betrayal by one of them, and, in the, and he also predicted the, the Peter's denial. After the meal, the disciples accompanied Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed in agony, Father, if you're willing, take this cup for me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And then an angel came to strengthen Jesus in the garden. And that's where he taught his disciples, and all of us today, that, that when we come to the end of our own strength, that, that we need to call on God to help us press on. So this mandis from the Latin root madame means commandment or mandate. On that Thursday, Jesus gave his disciples a new commandment or new mandate, which is why we use the term mandi today. The word in the context is used by Jesus after he washes the feet of his friends. He says this in John chapter 13, verse 34. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. No one knew the love, the sacrificial love of, of the, and the selfless love of Jesus before the cross. That's why this new commandment to love sacrificially and selflessly was so important. And then day six, many of you guys know this is Good Friday. Good Friday, we're going to be having a service here on 5 p.m. on Good Friday. You're all welcome. And uh, Good Friday was the last day of Jesus' life on earth before his resurrection. He was betrayed by Judas, as predicted, denied by Peter, as predicted. His disciples scattered. He was arrested and placed on trial falsely. He was condemned, beaten, mocked, and required to carry his own cross to the place he was crucified, where he died. There was two prisoners who were crucified alongside Jesus. One mocked him, but the other said this, Jesus Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And church, I think there's a whole sermon in that verse right there. And amidst that cruel, unfair, unjust, painful death, a human body that, that any human body could, could ever endure, Jesus chose to respond in grace to the criminal beside him and care for his mother and his best friend. And then at noon, Jesus cried out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and died. And then day seven, on that holy Saturday, 
Jesus' body uh, rested in the tomb on that holy Saturday. It was a rich man's tomb, which was fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah 53, verse 9. And uh, the preparations were made for Jesus' body and placement in the tomb until 6 p.m. when preparations for the Sabbath began. So this holy Saturday is basically a time for all of us to, to, to lean into being in the presence of the Lord. That's what Holy Saturday is about. Uh, placing our, our own agendas at the door and, and, and having specific time to spend time with God. You know, the Lord desires to have relationship with us, right? And that means spending time with Him and, 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 and praying to Him and, and listening to Him as well. So that's what Holy Saturday is. a great day not to ask for anything, but to simply spend time within the Spirit of the Lord. And then the greatest day in history, day eight, Resurrection Sunday. Church, can you say Resurrection Sunday? Matthew 28, verse 6 says this. Many of you know this passage. It says, He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And on that Easter Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead, fulfilling the prophecy. And early in the morning, the, the, the women who had prepared the spices before the Sabbath returned to Jesus' tomb to find it empty. It was Mary Magdalene that was there first. Now, I'm going to save most of the other details and the rest of that for next weekend. But the question of why should we as Christians observe Holy Week? Well, this is what it should be. Holy Week shouldn't be observed out of like a, a religious obligation. It should be uh, our hearts seeking the opportunity to, to um, basically be with Jesus and the closeness the events of this week bring. This the be close to and believe in all the sacrificial salvation that he died to give us. And for those that are curious about Jesus, observing Holy Week is a good opportunity to ask questions and seek answers about who he is. What does sacrifice mean? I still believe that this is the most important question anyone can answer. Wherever you end up on the scale of, 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 or the spectrum of, of how you end, have, have that answer is, who is Jesus? It's the greatest question you'll answer here on earth. And when Christians observe Holy Week, we set ourselves apart for him, to dedicate, to dedicate our time to him, observe Observation gives him glory and honor that he deserves for the gift of life that we get to live. So one way you can do, uh, do that is you can join me in uh, this week. I'm going to do a, uh, a fast. I'm not going to do a, a full, uh, uh, I'm not going to, what I'm going to do for my fast is vegetarian. I know some people are going to do a fast from not eating, uh, not eating or drinking uh, during sunlight. So when, uh, the sun, when the sun sets, they're going to, uh, that's, the, that's their fast. And uh, so maybe you can think of something where you can fast. Maybe you want to fast uh, TV or your favorite series or, or maybe you want to fast your, your social media or, or whatever it is. I challenge you to join me in, 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 the, in some sort of fast. In the past at, the, at Church in the City, we've done the Daniel fast. You can see some of that uh, details on the, on the church app there about the Daniel fast. I challenge you to join me. It's about spending time in, in the presence of God, spending time dedicated to your relationship with God. And uh, if you're interested in that, I, I challenge you, send me a message, uh, shoot me an email, whatever it is, get in touch with me, and just let me know that you're, you're joining me on this, uh, on this fast this week. And uh, whether maybe you're fasting a meal a day or, or, or food group, whatever it is, it's about dedicating time to God. So let's do that together. Um, the way I wanted to end our service is, is this way. I wanted to ask... A contemplative question for all of us to just uh, sit on and think about um, uh, as we've been looking at this Palm Sunday story 
Um, the very scripture, that uh, the main part of our scripture uh, of the Palm Sunday story, what I see is three different groups of people. And well, what I think you can do is, why don't you take a real honest, maybe a real true self-assessment of where you're at this morning, which group of people you would put yourself in uh, this morning. And, and, um, and, and, and I, I just challenge you, take a real true self-assessment of that. Uh, the first group of people I saw is the crowd. The crowd who got caught up in the moment, uh, each one thinking for themselves that there was something in it for me, that yes, Jesus is coming to set me free, but they're saying set me free from my current physical difficulties. And for them at the time, it was the Roman occupation. And their allegiance to Jesus wears out real quick when the reality of what Jesus was actually there to do came to light. And then many turned against them. Another group of people was the Pharisees. Maybe this is where you feel like you fit in more. The Pharisees saw Jesus coming as a threat to their way of life. They had a good thing going on. You know, they were in power. They were running their show. And if they welcomed this new king, that means they weren't going to be number one anymore. Or maybe you maybe uh, are closer to the disciples, where we see the disciples. And we see actually in John's account, lifting up the disciples lifting up and, and praising Jesus as recognition of who Jesus is, Lord and Savior, Messiah, and all that he has done. So, so take a second, church, and, and, and think about this. As Jesus approaches your life, what is your reaction? Do you give false praise, you know, just hoping to, to set something good from him, but not really recognizing what it means when Jesus says? Maybe as the worship team's coming up. Not really recognizing what Jesus says, like, if, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross. Or do you get mad when Jesus touches an area of your life and says, no, I want to be king of this area of your life. You haven't let me be king of this area of, of my life. And, 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 and do you see a lordship in, as a threat uh, to that, that portion of your life? Or do you fall on your knees, acknowledge your, your lack thereof, and acknowledge his lordship, giving him praise for his great works and welcoming him as lord and king? Are you going to boo him, blast him, or bow to him? Those are kind of our choices. And, and I wanted you to just pause for a moment and think, where, which will it be for you? And uh, why don't we just take a moment and we pray. And, and I challenge you to give it over to God that we, he, can, he can bring us to the point where we're more like the disciples. So I challenge you this morning. As maybe maybe your, your Christian journey has been more on the selfish end of things. Maybe you, you, you give God as much as, as he will give you back in that moment. Or, or, or maybe you only let God be uh, Lord over, over portions of your life, not all of your life. Lord, Heavenly Father, I just pray right now as you challenge us, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your challenging word, Lord. I pray that, Holy Spirit, as you convict us, as you challenge us, that, that, that you become Lord of all areas of our life. That you take away any selfishness we may have, any, any thoughts of, of, you know, this is, it's all about me. You know, I have to do this so, so my life will look this way. Lord, and that we, that we change it to, not worrying about that, to, to that we change about that. How are we going to glorify you? What have you called on us to do? Holy Spirit, I pray that as you challenge us, as you've given us gifts, as you've, as you've given us talents, Lord, that you use us to reach those that need to, that, that are searching for hope and love in this world. 
when they're never going to find it. Lord, I pray that you use us to show them that there's, there's hope and love that's going to satisfy them only in Christ. Lord, give us an opportunity to share that with others. Give us an opportunity to be a blessing to others, Lord. Let, let, that, let, let, let us live that out in our lives. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this season ahead of us, this holy week ahead of us, Lord. We thank you for, for, for Good Friday and the price you paid on that cross for us, Lord, the, the, the indescribable price you paid, Lord. And Lord, we thank you so much that, Sundays, that Sunday came shortly after, Lord, that you conquered the grave, that you paid the debt of our sins for us, that you gave us a chance at new life, Lord. Lord, I just pray right now that, that, that we, we, we were just so inspired, that we're so hungry to share that, share that sacrificial love, share that, that hope of the world with someone who needs it this week, with that family member that we've been burdened for, that maybe they've just been so far away that you can never even think they would be uh, following Christ. Lord, I pray that you make a way. We pray for your miraculous God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen.